All right. Star Rogue One, a Star Wars story. That's how I actually how you get to say it. Rogue One, a Star Wars story movie review. Because Disney was too afraid that people would understand what anthology means. <laughs> <laughs> and they are probably right. <laughs> yeah. The, the or fir- it could just be called Rogue One. Like, it doesn't need to have a Star Wars story. It's no. Just I mean, pe- I would assume people would know that this is a spin-off Star Wars Based film. on, like, the, you know, the advertising, of course, and... The title is Yellow with Space. You know, like, you would understand it's a Star Wars movie. I don't. Whenever I see a Star Wars story as the subtitle, I always feel like it's like your grandparents are going to tell you a story. So let's tell you a story now that's in the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. Just in case you didn't understand. Mm-hmm. But, but yes, this is uh, the second uh, uh, anthology film we've covered on Star Wars. Yeah. The first one, though. First one of two. One of only two, unfortunately. For now, maybe, mm-hmm. which we don't know yet at this point. But, but oh, yeah, I, yeah, I remember being really excited for this one uh, back in the day, back late 2016 when this came out. Yeah, yeah. I was really excited for it after Force Awakens. I mean, I don't know about you, but I was all Star Wars all the time with that. Yeah, I was. I was. I remember watching this theater and theaters coming off Episode Seven hype. Gave you a break from episode 7. Gave you a movie in between 3 and 4. We didn't know how close it would be until after you watched this. How close it is to episode 4. And just... Experiencing them like a... One line... Here's the point of this movie. This movie takes one line in episode 4 and makes it a two-hour movie. Yep. So, I didn't know what that one line actually meant. And this is actually what that one line meant. Because for the longest time, we didn't know what this movie was going to be about. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't until the trailer started coming out, which was like probably like April, May, usually when trailers like that come out for December movies. That's when we finally understood what the movie was going to somewhat be about. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, uh, very interesting. You know, uh, we'll, we'll talk more about it in the review, but it's just interesting how, especially with these couple anthology films, how they take certain things about the, you know, original films this one, like you mentioned, just one line and mm-hmm. make a whole movie out of it. Yeah. Why? Because Disney can. Disney can. So. But, yeah. But but like uh, with Solo, this movie did uh, experience some, uh, a little bit difficulties. Not quite as severe as Solo, but they did have no. to go through severe reshoots, especially towards the end and stuff. So, yeah. so that's why this movie came out in December. Because oh, it was supposed to come out in May, but with reshoots caused it to be delayed and stuff. I don't Which, really care. It became a good Christmas movie to watch Rogue One. Exactly. Because, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense, too. Because, you know, we talked about last time with Solo about how it kind of didn't make sense for it to come out in May. It just felt really weird since the other ones came out in December. Yeah. Actually, it kind of makes sense for this one to come out in December. Because it gives it give you a full year to kind of, you know, get into Settle Force down. Awakens. Yep. Yeah. Instead of it coming out of May, it just would have felt a little too quick. Well what happens is then you get then you get two years technically two years. Twenty sixteen then twenty eighteen was you know, twenty sixteen is uh seven, twenty eighteen is uh eight. Gives you yeah. two years to theorize and mm-hmm. wish upon a star about the movie's gonna be. Then once you watch eight, it's like in 2017, boom, in 2018, you got, you know, you got Solo, like, right in May. And it's like, first off, we've already talked about it, but yeah. it was like, okay, 
didn't give me time to recoup on what I ever had. Then you give me this, you know, mm -hmm. Taco Bell. Yeah. Then we now had to wait, what, a year and a half for Rise of Skywalker coming yeah. out in a month? So. Which, so. smart move there, Disney. Good to give everyone a break, you know. And it's smart for them how we're going to get a break after Rise of Skywalker for a few years. Yeah. So I think it says something to give us breaks in between Star Wars films. Yep. But I would say at least a year in between them is mm -hmm. the bare minimum of time between them, which is why I appreciate Rogue One coming out a year. I remember three years, what how George and the prequels came out. Like oh, it gives I you agree. plenty of time to create a story, create a fan base for every movie that you make. Yeah, because like we mentioned, it it gives you build up to an event. You know, three years gives makes it feel like an event movie instead of just like, oh, mm -hmm. it's another Star Wars film. Kind of like how the Avengers films have done it. You know, Avengers-centric films have been every three years and mm -hmm. such. Or other films in, like, like for instance, the Bourne trilogy, most of them came out three year, in three-year periods. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just something about three. I don't know if it's a biblical number three or <laughs> what, but uh, it's just something about... You know, spacing it out, and which is why I appreciated, you know, waiting a year for Rogue One. Yeah. You know, which I, I was excited for. It mm -hmm. saw 3D and my mm -hmm. dinky little theater back home. Shout, shout out to those of you who know Keystone Theater back in my hometown. <laughs> Whoever may be listening to this. Um, but, but yeah, let's let's start uh, talking about it. Yeah. Uh, I start with positives. Yeah, I have a lot of positives, so we should start with that. Get that through. All right. And, uh, enjoy the ride. All right. Let, let's let's enjoy the ride of Rogue One. Yeah. Mention a few positives. Mm. No, notice I'm limiting him to a few this time. You. Ah. <laughs> Okay. Um, let's let's start with um, a couple things that are awesome about this movie is that it's complete new characters, and there aren't some that people like, but I would say that K T Wasso and Cheer Mway. It may be Baze, but other than that, they're fan favorites from this movie. And I just like their stories. K2SL being a formerly programmed Imperial droid, now being helping the Reb uh, Rebels. And Chariot Mway, which has a fascinating story about being a Jedi Temple like warrior that oh, protected the Temple. Uh, wait, is that the blind guy? Yeah, Chariot Mway. Did not get his name. No. I I'm sorry, Rogue One. I did not get the name. Of the, I just called him blind guy in my notes. <laughs> I feel terrible now. <laughs> my apologies, actor who spent all the time preparing him, <laughs> playing him. Uh, but I continue. Um, <laughs> and uh, Baze Malvis is his friend with the gun. So uh -oh. those two characters stand out of fun. They feel like Star Wars. They feel like belong. And... Uh, I mean, I would say my favorite's Chert Mway, but I think K2SO is the, probably the better death, but um, there's a great high in this movie, but they're very two fun characters. That's fair. They, they're fun. Yeah. So, um, my favorite line he says is, uh, uh, what, uh, well, how does this start? It's, uh, you know, they meet and they leave, and it says, Jin. Uh, I'm gonna help you. I'm like, oh, because Cassian said I had to. I love oh it. yeah, so K2. Fun. 
I, I'm going to go with you, Jen. Aw. Pretty much that's what you're supposed to feel. Things like, because Cassian told me I had to. <laughs> to be honest. I, I, I just love the one shot where, where they're on yeah. where they're on, on that plane. They're battling the stormtroopers. And she shoots one of uh, the droids that our K2S, that K2S is a brand of. Mm-hmm. And it's not him. But then he says that because he's right behind that droid. And he's like, did you know that was not me? Like, just, just lines by him are just so quotable and classic. It was... Uh, too big of explosions for two people to blend in. <laughs> uh, we, we could just spend this entire uh, review just talking about K2S, so it's quotes. A 99.9% chance of failure. Don't tell the odds. Nope, it's not what he says. No. He says, uh, it's, it's my brain right now. Um, uh, yeah, he means well. That's what he yeah, says. yeah, sound like that. You're close. Yep. Um,. Baze is an okay character, but I have really no lows for Baze. I kind of, I kind of, I feel like it's interesting though that Baze, something happens to the Jedi. Baze pretty much regrets all that he did in his past and thinks his friend Jared Emway is stupid for still believing in the Force. But through the movie, you see that Jared has a better spirit and he's there for Jin and he does something to help out. I mean, more than Baze ever does. He actually connects them to the thing to get the transmission set. Yeah. Baze just just wants to kill those stormtroopers, you know? Other than that, like, but, Baze is fine. But, but I, I do like at the end that he's you know, believes in it a little bit. Like, yeah. he says to Chan, you know, yeah. I won with the Force and the Force is with me as mm-hmm. he kills those stormtroopers before he dies. Yep. Like, you get that he at least is acknowledging that, hey, what my buddy is believing might actually be true. Because I just saw it from my eyes. Like, it wasn't me helping him. He did not get shot from all those shots, you know? Yeah. The Force is with him, so... Um, another thing I like is that the shots look in some of the stormtroopers and just this, how this movie looks, it looks like it could be pre-1977, but some of the space battles look completely brand new, but the models and everything look like it's from 1977. Yeah. So I just like that this is, you watch this and you can put an episode four right in and you wouldn't see a, I mean, a little bit of a difference, but you wouldn't see that much of a difference, you know? It would feel like the same type of war in a little bit. How it all, how the characters look very dark and not dark, just very real. I mean, it has the same feel as episode four. It's not like it looks like it's, you know, before episode four, but it has the same feel to it. Yeah. I I get get very much, yeah. I I get you. Mm -hmm. And this is the first Star Wars movie without a crawl. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. And I'm grateful they did that. Yeah. to change it up. Yeah, so. to make it different. Not every yeah. Star Wars film needs to have a crawl. The main episodic films do, but not mm-hmm. the spinoff films, which I appreciated. Yeah. You know? That and Solo that they did that. And Solo's even different because it has a 3D shot of Solo, the title coming in, when this one is Rogue One going out, you know? Yeah. You can kind of think of it that way. Um, and like we've mentioned, uh, I'd like uh, to give it to you. I like this movie feels like a war. Yeah. We get a little bit in Solo of that mud plot, but that's really not really a war. It's more of a skirmish, but it's still pretty cool, that scene. But this feels like, because you're not really, you don't really care for stormtroopers or what's going on in that situation, other than Han. This, you kind of care for your people in the war, in the trenches, on the beach shore, all that stuff, like Normandy and all that stuff. Because in most of the Star Wars films, all the wars that actually happen are background compared to what the main characters are doing. The best we get is maybe episode six. Maybe yeah. when they're in the um, 
trying to take down the dish, you know, for the second Death Star. And, and Maybe. I'll, and I'll say a little bit with episode three when they're, like, towards the end of the Clone Wars, you get a little bit of the work. Yeah. Like, in the beginning action scene, yeah, yeah. a couple of them here. And there. But, yeah, I, but, yeah, you don't really get a whole lot of it. But this film definitely focuses on the war aspect. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. You can go ahead and say a couple. I probably have them. Oh, uh, yeah, you probably do, too. Um... Uh, I, I guess I'll start by saying that I do... I think there's some great performances in this film. Mm-hmm. I'm going to mention my favorites. K2SO is my favorite character in this entire movie. Mm-hmm. I think he looks good. Like we mentioned, he's got great lines. Like, almost everything he says is quotable. And he's just funny. You know, he it brings a good levity to him that I feel like the movie needs at times. You know, good, a good uh, side character. I definitely... Mm-hmm. I, Again, I apologize. I call him the blind guy in my notes. But well, I think the reason why I know that is because it's on a pop figure. Uh, like all their names are on merchandise, and if I wanted to buy, you know, all that. on T-shirts and stuff, they have their names. Because I think his friend does mention his name once. Yes, but they, I, I didn't quite. Understand they mentioned Baze more than they mentioned Cheered. I'm uh, like, you know. Well, I didn't. I didn't know his name was Baze either, but yeah. I, I do now. But but I do like the blind guy. Well, it's because when he first. When he first talks about how Baze isn't, you know, following the the code, he says Baze Malbus used to be one of the greatest of us of all. But then that's the only time they ever say his name. Oh. Uh, so if you pay attention, he just says Baze used to be one of the greatest ones. Well, yeah. well, obviously I didn't pay much attention. You don't need to know any of their names, cause uh, spoiler. Alert, let's get to it. They all die in this movie. Yeah. They all die. Okay, now you just ruined the whole movie for everyone, Zach. Thanks. But if you didn't know that, then. You shouldn't be listening to this review. Yes, these just are for the sake. <laughs> uh, but I do really like the like I said. I do like the black guy. He's my favorite human character. Mm-hmm. I, I just I'm gonna get. Well, that's another uh, positive that I do have. I just like that he, you know, he seems like he's a normal guy that can use the force. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously he's blind, so he's a little bit more than a normal guy. But I just like that. It kind of solidifies to me how I view the force in the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Is that Anyone can use the Force if they believe in it and if they view it as something that they can attain to, mm. as opposed to what the prequels taught us and stuff. So I do like that aspect. It kind of solidifies me thinking, wow, anyone can use the Force. Like, this blind guy can use the Force, and he does. Yeah. And he's really cool. He gets a lot of great action moments, you know, with his stick, you know, taking out stormtroopers. Oh, that's and, a cool action scene. And, of course, the famous one of like the bow gun that he has mm-hmm. that he just shoots that TIE fighter down with. I mean, yep. it, it just gives a lot of cool moments and a lot of good sayings and stuff. And he has some comedy in there with the putting the thing over his oh, face. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? I'm, I'm blind! blind. <laughs> uh, that, that got a laugh out of me in theaters. I, yeah, I love that. I'm like, yeah, he's blind. Yeah, you wouldn't need to do that. <laughs> and, and, and I do feel a little bit of emotion when he dies and stuff, yeah. but I think he's a great character. I, I enjoy him in this film. I, I kind of relate to him a mm. little bit, you know. I think he's an interesting character that I like that they explored a little bit in this one. Yeah. Ben Mendelsohn is phenomenal as Krennic. Mm. He just plays the great bad guy. You know, uh, Ready Player One, a movie that came out last year, I think, solidified that too. He just has this great dramatic bad guy kind of vibe to him. And I, I just really like him in this film. I, I think he does a solid job. Yeah. And Mads Mikkelsen, I, I gotta give props to him. I, I think he does good as uh, as uh, Jalen Nurso's uh, mm-hmm. father. Like I think I think he does a great job. Yeah, um, Jalen Nurso. Yeah. 
which which is funny because uh, the year this came out, you know, he was in Doctor Strange a month before that, yeah. and then the month afterwards he was in Rogue One. I was yeah. like, oh, I get a punch out of punch thing of Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, gotta gotta get enough of me Mads. Mm-hmm. But but those are the standout performances that I really liked. So there's some good performances, and most of them are fine. I'll talk about the couple that I wasn't a huge fan of, but most of the performances characters were fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did. Uh, Let's see what what else did I really like? Uh, I did like the action. I thought the action was done very well. Yeah, uh, you could definitely tell that there was you know some you know, some practical effects that they used, but also CGI. I mean, I, I was probably balanced between the both. Yeah, they mixed it up. But I felt that both both were done pretty well. Like I appreciate when movies try to do practical effects, which is something I'll praise when we get to Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. But I just really liked that, and the CGI worked pretty well. So it worked well for the action. I thought, I think. This is one of my favorite Star Wars films as far as action goes. Like, it yeah. just has good, exciting action that's mm-hmm. not lightsaber action, for mm-hmm. the most part. Because there is one scene that we'll talk about in a second that does use a lightsaber. But other than that, like, it doesn't. And I just think the action does really good there. Um, and I, I did complain about this um, a little bit with Solo last week. But I gotta say, Rogue One handled it better with the callbacks to the original trilogy. I felt like that this film had them balanced, that not everything was a callback. It's also closer to the original trilogy by timetable, so you can see them being more relevant yeah. than in Solo, which is still 15 years before 4. But, but yeah, they, they throw as much Easter eggs in there as you possibly can. In one can. two-hour movie. This one is right before 4, so we should see the Easter eggs before mm-hmm. it happens. Yeah. Like seeing Yavin 4. Yep. That was awesome. Yes. Seeing, seeing Bale Organa, played oh, by Jimmy Smith, yes. was great. Remember when the prequels were good? I'm back. <laughs> the one of the only good actors from the prequels. Yeah. Besides Ian McGregor. The only ones that are good are the ones that come over for the other things. You know, the yeah. lady that plays the Mon Motha character. Um, the the ones they asked to come back. Yeah, and Jimmy Smith. You know, it's just a cool to see him in it. Yeah. You know. And the stormtrooper outfits. You know, from the you know from the you know original trilogy were awesome. So a lot yeah. of good, a lot of good callbacks, but I felt like most of them worked pretty well. So I. I did enjoy that, and I yeah. felt I felt this is a good example of having your callbacks balanced, whereas not having too much, but yet not having enough. You know, I felt like it was balanced, so yeah. I did I did appreciate that about Rogue One. Um, the third act battle is awesome. Like that, that's the easily the best part. Of the once film. they get on Scarif, yeah. Once they get on Scarif to the end is mm-hmm. awesome. The last thirty minutes, I I, I just can't. You know, I I can't praise it enough. It's great. Yeah, it, it's awesome. I, I mean, I just like that they sneak around to try to you know get the plans and stuff. They have everyone has their own thing they're doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they they have the callback to you know some of the people from A New Hope. You know, like Gold Leader, Red Five. Yeah. You know I, that they used. I think it was uh, uh, unused footage from A New Hope, mm. which which was kind of cool. And you, we see the war in Star Wars. Because, like we mentioned, you know, you don't really get a whole lot of the war aspect from Star Wars. But I did really like that they chose to focus on that. And probably one of the best action scenes of Star Wars, that third action scene. Just really good. Really mm-hmm. good stuff. But I cannot, we cannot go without talking about the best uh, character that they bring from other Star Wars films into this one. Darth Vader! He is awesome in this oh. film. He he's great. Who can, oh. He's only in the movie what three scenes and yeah. he he's great. Yeah. Oh. 
The, my only problem is that they didn't have enough of them in it. Oh. But they have more of them. I understand it. why they didn't have too much of them in it, because it's not his story, and you don't see that much of them in four, which would be kind of weird, but um, maybe one more scene with them. But I don't care. That ending scene... Just, yeah. I don't care if they didn't put any more, because that's He's, so... That's so, like, so... E- easily evil, the, you know. Easily the best scene of Rogue One. It's what I can watch over and over again on YouTube all the time. Oh yeah, that's probably one of the most <laughs> watched oh. clips on YouTube. Yeah, just, just with Vader, you know, being down the hall with his lightsaber glowing, those rebel people just with that fear look in their <laughs> face as they know they're going to die. As Vader just mows them all down. Uh, the music. Uh. If you're a fan of Darth Vader, this will just make you applaud. Mm-hmm. It, it's so good. It's like, Redeem Darth Vader back! Make the prequels like him! And eh. they... You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if we can go that far. It doesn't but, fully <laughs> redeem him, but but, but it, it's a great scene. Oh, it I, it's my favorite scene of Rogue One. Yeah, it is. It, it just mine. works so well. Mm-hmm. And it was. I mean, I, I was you know excited for most of the film. I remember watching it theaters, but once that scene came up, I was like, oh, here we go. Yeah, here we go. I'm in this movie. This is awesome. Oh, it's over now. This movie what? ends. <laughs> what? But in episode four. But in episode know? four. Yep. But Darth Vader was pretty cool. I, I like that James Earl Jones came back to voice him, and mm-hmm. you know the outfit looked like his Episode Four outfit yep. and stuff. Like he, he was just really good. I really enjoyed Vader. I just wish there was more of a minute, but we'll uh, talk more about that in a little bit. Yeah. But I did really like Vader. Uh, one of the best highlights of this film, obviously. But, mm-hmm. but uh, do you have any more uh, Z Man as far as um, positives that I didn't mention? <laughs> uh, speaking of Vader, Mustafar. Is in this movie, wait, wait, but you won't know that it's Musafar because it's not actually labeled, unlike any other planet in Star Wars. Which, which I just called Lava World when Lava I World. saw it. I was like, <laughs> hey, look, it's Lava World. Because <laughs> in in the original trilogy, like uh, I think it was Episode Five when they had the original, like the first couple drafts of a, of Episode yeah. Five, we were gonna see his lava planets mm-hmm. and we were gonna see his castle, which they showed in this film. Yeah. So they had planned all the way even to the original trilogy. But it's cool that we got to see it in yeah. this film. Yeah. Which, when I was in theaters, I didn't... I mean, obviously, you don't know that that's actually Mustafar. You just know it's a lava world, it's lava going... And that's Vader's castle, because Vader summoned him. But I was questioning, is that Mustafar? But it is, like, I believe in the Darth Vader comic or something. In the Rogue One comic, it actually... It gives, because then you won't know where you're going, and it says, you are now, and, you know... Um, Mustafar yeah. is the planet, but I'm like mm-hmm. I like that they don't nod to it. You know, they don't say Mustafar, um, because if you're a prequel hater or something, it might not be Mustafar. You know, you can still take it as maybe it's not Mustafar. But um, I also really enjoy it because that's where Anakin died and Darth Vader was born on the lava planet, and that's uh, where can... he established his castle. <laughs> I mean, you can argue that he died once he turned to the dark side with the Emperor, but I do see your point there. Yeah, it, it is cool. Yeah, so. Um, I like the uh, the destruction of Jeddah. I like how that feels very. It feels kind of like what it would feel like to be in like an atomic bomb situation, where like this big, yeah, you know, this big cloud of just 
death is coming your way, but, and you got to get out of there. But I like that that shows that the Death Star isn't quite ready yet. Yeah. That even though they built it, it still can't destroy an entire planet. Like, yeah. like, like when they you know fire the Death Star, it, it does rupture the core, but it doesn't necessarily destroy the entire planet. Mm-hmm. It, it's not until you know once we get to Episode Four, obviously, when they perfected it a little bit more, that they can destroy an entire planet. Mm-hmm. I think that's a nice little little nod there that the Death Star isn't quite ready fully operational yet yeah um i like that you get to see the um uh, calamari ship and you get to see underneath what he's looking at because in the originals he he's looking at like a concrete you know just floor you know it's just tile when yeah. that guy's acting you know but now you get to he's actually in a globe it looks like he's in underwater you know in a little fishbowl and He's looking down, and I could say Admiral Akbar's looking down like that, like it's a trap, you know, looking down. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> um, that's a cool little nod. Uh, this won't be recognized if anyone that doesn't watch this, but they uh, they mentioned Saw Gerrera. Saw Gerrera is a Clone Wars character they bring into it, uh, which I did know from other reviewers, but yeah. at the time I had no clue. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, apparently, Chopper is in the background in Yavin Four. Um, which is a the robot, robot. It's the droid from uh, 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 Rebels. Um, which, in case you were wondering, I didn't pick that out either. <laughs> no, they say General uh, General Sindula come to the someplace, and uh, there's well, actually, there's two references to Clone Wars. Uh, Shem Shem Sandula is actually in the Clone Wars, and he had a daughter, and that daughter is uh, the pilot of. Um, Rebel, she's like the green pilot lady, um, uh, and apparently you also do see the spaceship, uh, the ghost, in this movie. Now, if it's actually her or not, it's just clearly an Easter egg. Like if if you recognize the engines and what the ghost looks like from Rebels, you could say, "Hey, that's actually the crew. They're actually in, you know, they're fighting with our Rogue One heroes, but we're not focusing on them right now. We're focusing on the Rogue One characters." We've already had a rebel story about them already for the last four years. Or it could not just be, it's just an Easter egg. You know, it's just one of those things that, you know, fans love to talk about, mm-hmm. have uh, conversations with. Um, I love the slogan, you know, I'm one with the Force, the Force is with me. I'm one with the Force, and the Force oh, is yeah. with me. Like, Quotable. I came out of that theater Quotable. saying that, you know. I'm one with the Force, and the Force is with me. I'm one with the Force, and the Force is with me. Um, now, I, I'm i pretty sure we're going to get into questions or maybe weaknesses for you. But let's address maybe a strength. Grand Moff Tarkin, Peter Cushing, is in this movie. Oh, we're, we're going there now. Okay. And uh, I like that Peter Cushing's in this movie. Even though Peter Cushing is not in this movie. Uh, How is that possible? It's called CGI. Yeah, where where they take someone who's been dead for over 20 years yep. and they make him look like he's still alive today. Yep. Which, I, I gotta say, it doesn't look bad. I, yeah. I, I gotta say, you know, I don't think they would have been able to do... Because if you look at the actor that they chose to take the face off, he looks nothing like him. Other than that, he's only British and he's tall enough to be Peter Cushing. Yeah. He doesn't really I, I was gonna like say, him. they probably just got him for the body. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty good. Which, uh, here, here's my thing about about this like i mean I, I understand how technology has moved and stuff and you know the marvel films there's been a few of them that have done this kind of technology even yeah. though i feel like they've done it better it, and i feel it's because they, they take an actor that's already there mm-hmm. and they make them look younger with yeah. them already present and stuff yeah. 
this, I do, I do get what they were trying to do with this and having Tarkin and stuff. And it doesn't look too bad, but it's just something when I look at it, it just looks unnerving a little bit. Like, I, I just feel uncomfortable watching this Tarkin because I know he's not real. Yeah. But there's just, I, I, I just feel weirded out. Now, if they had used unique shots to, like, when yeah. when we first see him, like, you, you get him standing in front of a glass yeah. mirror, and you see the reflection of Tarkin on the mirror. took the face of the original, you know, actor and probably put it on it, then reversed it on the glass, Yeah, you know? like, that is cool, and I wish we had gotten, like, you know, shots like that, or, like, where he's standing, and you don't see his face, but you do see it a little bit. Yeah. Like, I I like those shots. When we see him close up, I, I just don't really, it's it just... Uh, I just don't really like it that it's much. The eyes for me that really don't look. They look, they look computer generated to me. Other that, than that, that, I can believe the uh, hair a little bit. Yeah, the lips are kind of a little unnerving too. Yeah, I I just feel like they used that too much. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't have a big issue with it if they only used him for maybe two or three shots. He's the bad guy in this movie, other than Krennic. What? You know? Yeah. But, well, well, we'll talk about that in a, in a minute, or a couple minutes. But, I don't know, I just, with what they did, I, I get what they were trying to do. And it's amazing what they can do with technology and stuff. I mean, they, they do it again with Leia at the end of yeah. the film. But I, I just I just wish that they hadn't quite used it as much, because it's not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, it wasn't at the point where I felt feel it's absolutely believable whereas some other marvel films where they've done it were like yeah i'm i'm amazed at how they're able to do it as well yeah so it wasn't quite there yet it's just kind of at that awkward stage of like it looks it looks not too bad but yeah. still you can still kind of tell do you feel like peter cushion's character though is still in the movie like even if it might not look well but you feel like that's a maybe two days before episode four's version yeah like, it kind of feels I, like him a, still a little like bit. taking control of something that he did not do you know i mean for the most part i mean there are a couple shots where i'm like i don't know if that quite looks like the tarkin that we get from episode four but but you know the, the way he sounds and stuff you know sounds pretty solid and there's mm-hmm. a couple lines that he says you know like especially at the end you know when you fire when ready fire when ready which they use from an alternate take from episode yep. four that sounds like him and stuff like that I, I just wish they had found a way to use him less, even though, yes, I know he is a main, um, you know, mm-hmm. important bad guy and stuff. It it just felt a little weird to me, that's all. Mm-hmm. No game we started on Leia. We'll, we'll talk about her in a couple minutes. So if but... you have any highs, finish them. That's all I have. Okay. Uh, let's see, what else do I have? Uh, I think you did mention this, but I do think the cinematography looks kind of pretty good for this film. Yeah. There are some shots that did look, you know, really cool. Like, especially when we get to, you know, the end battle scene where, like, we're, we're on this planet that's kind of like a beach, but kind of not, kind of a beach slash forest. Mm. There are some shots where we see there that look really cool. Like, even seeing it theaters, I was like, wow, that looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So, so I think Gareth Edwards did a good job of getting, you know, good good shots in this film, which I did appreciate. Yeah. Um, I, I just got to give, uh, I mean, we did talk about it a little bit, but I do like how... They they have this film to basically fix a plot hole from A New Hope. Yeah. Because if you don't know about A New Hope, you know, they did have the plot hole of like, well, how can the Empire be so stupid to have the Death Star have such a big opening where they could blast a torpedo in there to blow up the entire thing? Yeah. Like, that sounds stupid. And yeah, at the time, that was lazy screenwriting. Yeah. But now, they actually have a film where, you know, the reason why is because 
Uh, what Jan- if their own chose to do it because he wanted to pay back the Empire for yep. making him... J- Jalen Urso's dad. For killing his wife and all that stuff. So I was like, huh, this isn't actually lazy screenwriting. This was done on purpose. So, I mean, I, I do, you know, I guess I do appreciate that. Th- this does feel like it's a little bit more of a reason for his existence than Solo. But mm-hmm. we can talk about that in a little bit, I suppose. Yeah. Um, let's see. So I, so I did appreciate that. Um, and, and I did like, you know, how how at the end where they they ended the film in a way where you could watch A New Hope right after watching Rogue One. Like, you get done with Rogue One, and you can pop Episode 4 A New Hope in, mm-hmm. and it would feel like you're kind of watching the same film, yep. just with a different angle to it. Mm-hmm. I, I did like that. I liked how they set it up at the end and stuff to where it ties in directly to A New Hope. Like, I thought that was really cool. And, and a good way to, to end the film on. Yeah. So, I did appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But... That was all the positives that I had that you didn't mention as well. Okay. So. Now this movie has weaknesses. You yes. want to get to it? Sure. Let's get to it. Uh, I'll start with uh, mm-hmm. with what's one that I had an issue with in theaters, and and I I definitely understand that, especially for people who have not seen Rogue One before. I feel as if that the beginning. I mean, not not with uh, you know uh, Jalen, her parents, and stuff. Uh, and, and stuff. Jin. Uh, Jin. That, that's right. J- Jalen's her father's name. Yeah. Is it? Okay. Galen or so. G- Galen or so. Okay. You see too many names to to remember and stuff. Just say dead person one, two, three, four, five, whatever. Hey, why not? Okay, so dead person number three, <laughs> no. relationship number five. No, I'm just kidding. Jin and uh, Galen. Jin and Galen. Okay. So, so besides the beginning with with uh, you know the Ur- the Ursos you know mm-hmm. with uh, Jalen being taken away and Galen being taken away and stuff, uh, I feel like what once we get to the modern day where where the movie is primarily set, Jen's in prison. Yeah, and we we get uh, thrown into all these different planets like one right after the other, one after the other. Boom, boom, boom. And it feels kind of clunky to me. Like and. and when I watched it the first time, I was like, I, I don't know what's going on. Like, what what's going on? We have this character, and then we have that character, and all that. Mm. It, it just, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of structure in the beginning. It just feels kind of clunky as you try to introduce all your characters, the planets we've never been on. We don't really know where we're at and stuff. So, it was, t- it was tough for me to get a grasp on the movie starting out in theaters. I mean, obviously, since I've watched it a few times, it's not quite as big an issue for me. But I- it is something that I wish that they could have found a way to have probably been a little more structured in the beginning. Just so that way, you know, people that watched it for the first time, like me, would not have been as confused as to what exactly is going on. Mm-hmm. So, that is something I can knock the movie on. Uh, I will knock the movie on this a little bit. Uh, I did mention how I loved Darth Vader in this movie. I needed more Darth Vader. I'm sorry, but I I wish that Darth Vader had... He was the villain? Yeah, I wish he had a bigger... I, I don't know if I would say main villain, because you, you did mention uh, something that, you know, Tarkin is the main villain. Like in A New Hope, you know, Tarkin's the main guy, and Vader is his yeah. lapdog. But I wish Vader was more active in the plot than how he was. Like, I think... You know, especially some of the scenes with Tarkin, I feel like would have been better had Vader had been there. But mm-hmm. he, he just was in for two or three scenes. And I get not having, you know, someone in there, you know, too much where, you know, the movie's about them and not about your other characters. I understand that. But Darth Vader, I felt like could have made 
some scenes a little bit better. And I wish there was more of him in it than just, you know, the scene where he's introduced and the end action scene. Like, I needed more Darth Vader. So, so that's something that I wish that they had done more. Yeah. And I'll... And let's see. Because we, we already did talk about Tolkien, how my thoughts about him are. And Leia is definitely just bad. Oh, yeah. Just bad in this film. Um, I, I, like, when I saw... Uh, I like, like, I like the homage to Leia, you know, hope yeah. and all that stuff. Like, oh, yeah. But even when I watched it in theaters, probably the same with you. It's just been like, she hadn't passed away yet, and I kind of know exactly what Leia looks like in 4. And that face just does not look very human. It and looks... She looks like a ghost. That, yeah. That's what I said when I was watching it this time. I was like... Because I hate to be mean because she did pass away. Rest in peace, Carrie Fisher. But yeah. she looked like a ghost just with her pale face and wearing white and everything. I, I don't know, it, it just didn't look that good. It still doesn't look that good. Yeah. But, yeah. I wish that they had done that better. Um, there are two characters slash performances that I did not like in this film. And I'll start with my least favorite. Forrest Whitaker as Saul Guerrero. Hmm. Now, I understand he is a Clone Wars character. Yeah. And I did not watch Clone Wars. So you may... I, but do you have to, to understand Saul Guerrero? You shouldn't have to. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't I know. I feel like do, he's fine. I mean, do, do, you, do you understand him a little bit better in Clone Wars? I mean, I mean it just gives you more information. Um, that he's always been kind of like an outside terrorist guy, even for the, you know, uh, what do you call it, the Republic. But oh, so, so but I didn't know that when this movie came out. Of course, I didn't know until they tell me that he's actually in Clone Wars, and then I remember. Yes, he was in Clone Wars. Yes, but uh, I do. I do oh, like so, his story in this. Oh, so you're saying not really that that didn't matter? Okay. Uh, <laughs> But I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just didn't like him. I didn't like him in theaters. I still don't like him now. It's just this this weird performance. I don't know quite what to make of him. He's not in the movie a whole lot. Mm. I, I just don't really care for him. And plus, I, I guess that him and Jin had a connection and stuff. We don't. I don't really under. I mean, I guess he was kind of a little bit. I don't want to say abusive, but kind of strict on her. I guess kind of get from passing dialogue. Yeah. I don't know. It's just just kind of a weird character that I just I didn't really care for in this movie. I was glad when he was gone. Just just, just kind of weird. I didn't really like him that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I feel like the movie would have been better had he not been there. But that's just me. I didn't really care for him. Okay. And another character that I didn't really care for was Cassian. Cassian Andor. Yep. I didn't really care for him. I'm not excited for his Disney Plus series. If you couldn't tell. But I, I just, I don't know what to make of him. Like, I, I mean, I know he works for the re- Rebellion and stuff, but is he good? Is he bad? I just, I mean, I, I guess that's the thing that the movie kind of wrestles with a little bit. But I would have understood him better had we given more character development than just, yes, like... two lines. Yeah, two lines in the entire movie. I have been in this since I was seven years old. Yeah. Okay, but I still don't know anything about you, dude. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, I don't know, his performance is standoffish. They don't really do anything to make me like him. Especially at the end when they, when him and Jin die on the beach together holding hands. Like, I don't feel like they earned that moment at all. Like, they they just didn't really set that up for me. It's too and, quick. Yeah, too Maybe quick. Maybe in 20 more minutes, but the movie has to be done. Yeah. And I, 
I just don't really care for him. I I didn't really like him then. I still don't really like him now. He just it's kind of in it. I mean, he's not an antagonist, but he he's just kind of a little antagonistic to me. I just didn't really care for him that much here. It's like they were making a jerkers version of On Solo. Just not as good. Yeah. Just not as good at all. And but works for the rebellion instead of being a smuggler. Yeah. And I would say that the my biggest complaint for Rogue One is a lack of character development. Like I feel as if that we don't learn yeah. hardly anything about these characters. We we get a setup for Jin Urso, so yeah. I mean we're supposed to feel for her, but I think it's just Felicity Jones who who's fine. I don't hate Felicity Jones in this film. She's okay, mm-hmm. but I just don't really feel the moments with her like I should. And just all these other characters where I wish I could have learned more about their characters. What stuff. about K two S O? I mean, I don't know if you necessarily really need to know a whole lot about him besides, mm-hmm. oh, he was just a droid that they recaptured from the en- from the Empire and reprogrammed him. Yeah. Like, he's not a human character, so I feel like with droids, you don't really need to know them as much as opposed to the human characters, which I wish that they had developed them more. Okay. But like Cassian, you know, he had that line, like, okay, give me more. They didn't give me more. Mm-hmm. And with, I mean, I did like the blind guy and yeah. what, what was his uh, friend's name? Baze. Baze. Okay. I almost said Bossy for a second. I don't know why. But like even with them, like like you, you get a little bit with them too. I wish I could have explored them even more. Mm-hmm. To, just something with these characters because like the pilot guy, I didn't, you know, I mean, he was Brooke, fine. Obviously. Brady Rook, Brady Wook, something like that. Oh, wow. Well, a little more than I did. Like, like him, you know, I mean, he, he was fine first and foremost, but well, when he died, first of all, he died in the lamest way ever compared to all the other guys in Rogue One. Yeah. But I just didn't really feel for him because I didn't really get anything from this guy. So I wish that they had found a way to have explored these characters a little bit more. So that way, when they do die, I could have felt a little bit more for them. It's than... like, I remember them giving interviews about like their characters before the movie came out. And the guy that plays Betty Rook was like, so what's your character like? He's like, well, he's a... He's an Empire pilot that defected because of uh, this actor's character. Obviously, he's not spoiling stuff. Then he'd be like, well, then I become a rebel, and I'm on the team. That's exactly what his character is. Like, there, he's not not spoiling anything. He's That's literally yeah. <laughs> his character. And when the guy playing casting is like, so what are you? And he's like, well, I'm a not very good rebel that has kind of like a dark side that isn't very nice. And uh, I helped Jin on her journey. That's literally it. Like, what they say in their interviews, I bet that's exactly what they were told their characters are. Like, they don't flesh it out, like you're saying. Yeah. Except for Jin, obviously. And I do feel like they do flesh out the guys from the temple a little bit. Like, have yeah. them give them a little bit of an mm-hmm. arc, too. And Yeah. Yeah, they yeah, flesh I, I, out I, I, why they're doing this and stuff like that yeah, to help I, her out. I definitely understand that. You know, like I said, they did flesh them out a little bit. I mm-hmm. just wish that they had a little bit more... For them, and especially for the pilot guy and Cassian, I wish I had more yeah. and stuff, which the movie, you know, didn't do. So I, if I had, you know, got a little bit more from these characters, I would have liked them better and would have felt more for most of their deaths. But mm-hmm. as it is, we don't really have much, and I wish the movie had done that. Mm-hmm. But that is all of my negatives I had for okay. Rogue One, so take it away. Um, uh, part of the Saw Guerrero part. So we get our first ever tentacle, slimy, bestial character. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can't Let's stop saying about the that. word, boogaloo, boogaloo, boogaloo. Like, what? What? <laughs> like, 
first off, when I was in theaters, and even now, I don't even understand what really the point of it was. Was the point, okay, because oh, I originally thought, okay, the point is he can't trust the pilot, you know, because he's, you know, he's only has few people working for him left, he wants to stay alive as long as possible, he's already dying, yeah. he doesn't want them to be a traitor, he doesn't want him to lie. So he gives them to this tentacle creature, right? Yeah. Apparently the boogalit can tell you the truth, you know, or it can make you cuckoo, like he kind of says, you know, it can make one's mind, you go crazy. So, what's happened is that does the squid find out that he's telling the truth, then he puts him in the cell, and then he uses the information... But then when Jin comes, he doesn't really know if Jin's there to kill him or not. You know, are you here to kill me, Jin? I'm already dead already. So I'm wondering, what exactly was the point of Burnham and the Boogaloo thing? Was it the thing of, like, obviously the creature's weird and all that stuff. But I don't really understand. Was it to show that maybe this is how he got insane? Was that he used the Boogaloo on himself before? And it made him cuckoo? And Because it, it makes our pilot very cuckoo. But for, like, one second... Then he just erases it from his memory for the entire... It's like, yeah, I'm the pilot. I'm the pilot. Yeah, yeah, I am the pilot. Then he goes on with really no concern for what happened to him. So yeah. I'm, I really don't know what Boogalip was all about. <laughs> I mean, I, I, get, I guess it was there to find the truth about him, I guess. But it was kind of a weird way to do it. Mm-hmm. Which proves my point that Saul Guerrero is weird. <laughs> he is insane. It's just a weird way for that actor to, like, talk, you know? Are you here for me? Like, it's a high-pitched voice, because he's already dying, you know, and all that Are stuff. Are you here to kill me? Me? Jay? What's up? Forrest Whitaker, do not choose that role if you want to be in a Star Wars movie. Boogie it! Boogie it! I agree on casting Andor. I agree that he's kind of not really fleshed out as much. Um, um, I feel like the pilot's also fleshed but we don't really have time to spend with them. He needs to blow up in his spaceship anyway. So, um, but I feel like the the Asian guys, those two characters, Bays and um, uh, Chirrut, are fleshed out yeah. enough that I sympathize they're, with where they come they're from. They're the second most fleshed out in the film yeah. behind Jin. Yeah, so, and uh, another weakness is they made a movie about fun, trying to fix a plot hole. Yeah. Like, it's either a cash grab, which it's a good movie, don't get me wrong, this isn't, you know, episode one bad, but it's kind of like, because I remember, and people say that Kathleen Kennedy come out, and they said when they did episode seven, that they had all these Star Wars movies planned, and all of these stuff people would be so happy about. Was this one of them? Like, to fix a plot hole, and to give us Solo, you know, and... Which which brings, sure. me, which brings me to one of my questions that I had, which I, I feel like... Go ahead, I that was wait. my last weakness. Go oh, okay. Questions. Well, I was going to say that that would transition to asking this question. Like, yeah. do you think this movie is necessary to Star Wars? Like, if you were to think of it, because, you know, we've talked about other Star Wars films, like Phantom Menace and Solo, where we felt that it wasn't necessary. Let's combine this to Solo. Is this more necessary than Solo? So ask your oh, question first. Well, well, that was basically my question. Like, do yeah. you think this movie is necessary? Which... Do you? First off, to answer my own question, this is more necessary than Solo. Because if at any point you watch episode four, okay, out of all the movies that you get from that and questions you raise, there is a chance you ask, so how did they get the plans and how stupid is it that this hole is created and they can do it? Hence why they created this movie. But you never ask in any of the originals, not just four, but you also don't ask in five or six, 
man, I want to see how Han gets his blaster. You know? Exactly. So you I feel it's a that. little bit more needed than, maybe not needed, but maybe a little bit more necessarily wanted, maybe, for fans to see how it ended up instead of necessarily wanting a solo movie. But maybe does, that's a better word. But does that necessarily say that you think this movie is necessary? You know? I think it's a good watch. So if you're a Star Wars fan, I think you would like it. So I think it is necessary to watch as a Star Wars fan. Maybe that's my answer. Okay. Now, if it's super necessary, like Episode 5 is necessary to the entire trilogy, no. But I think it's more necessary than Episode 1. Oh, I, I agree. I, I Maybe think... it's more necessary than necessary to Episode 2, you know? Like, just more fun and all that stuff. Because I think these are the three movies in question for their necessary being necessary in the Star Wars universe. Phantom yeah. Menace, Solo, and this one. Mm-hmm. Out of these three, this one feels the most necessary. But I would say it's not really necessary. You mm-hmm. don't really need to know the Death Star plans, how they got you know into the hands of the Rebels. You don't need to n- know the fixed plow hole, like why did they you know, ta- have something so big where a blaster bolt could come in and destroy the entire Death Star. I mean, yeah. you don't need it. But yeah, it- it's fun. Like, like, out of the three, this is the funnest way to do it for a film that you don't necessarily really need. Yeah, but if and, you want it and you like it, it's good. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, you can have fun and, you know, enjoy it and add to your Star Wars collection. Yeah. So. And more characters to buy, because, man, Jin has a ton of outfits. <laughs> or or a lot of different style-looking stormtroopers there. Yeah. Like, yeah. the black stormtroopers, the regular stormtroopers. I'm sure Disney was thinking, oh boy, we're going to get some people's money today. They did. And boy, did they. Because I think this movie grossed a billion dollars in the box office. Yeah. But that was kind of cool. Um, okay. You, we asked this, these two questions. I'm going to ask this one. This is part of it. Okay. Do you believe this movie you can watch and it stands alone? Because mm. I've heard a debate that Star Wars movies... What makes them good is that they're part of a overarching, you know, six movie trilogy. But that like four stands alone. Five can still stand alone, even though it's part of four. Six can stand alone as its own that you can watch any time, even though it's the conclusion. Maybe not so one, but three can stand alone. You can watch at any time. But can you put in Rogue One on any odd Saturday and just watch it without not wanting to go and like? That's well, the question. Can this movie stand alone without four ever existing? Well, are you saying like for? fans who have never watched star wars to watch this film by itself without watching the original trilogy yes. or any films and having it you know stand alone can a non-star wars fan buy a ticket to watch this movie without any experience and enjoy it they might have fun with it but i think they might be confused mm-hmm. so i would say no because just with all the different you know they do make callbacks to the original trilogy and you i think you would be kind of confused as to like okay who is what is this empire who is this Darth vader like what's yeah. what what's going on here like i think people would be confused mm-hmm. by watching if this was their first star wars experience because mm-hmm. even though some of the prequels aren't as good you know they at least still try to set up you know what happens to the in the original trilogy yeah and in the original trilogy obviously you get more context as to what this film is so i don't think this movie quite stands alone i think you need more context in order to really appreciate this film but i think that just depends on the person you are when watching it because there could be some people that could be like oh i need to watch all these movies you know and i feel kind of weird watching this one whereas some people you know could be like watching this film for the first time be like oh yeah that was fine so first off, it depends on the kind of person you are. But for me, if I was, you know, telling people who weren't Star Wars fans about, you know, 
about this one, I would say you need to watch this film after you've at least watched the original trilogy and maybe the prequel trilogy, but definitely watch this original trilogy first before even thinking about popping in this one. I just don't feel like it stands alone quite as well. Now, if you're already a Star Wars fan, yeah, absolutely. You know, you can watch this and stuff. But I feel like you need to know information about the other trilogies in order to watch this one. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any more questions? Uh, I, I do have a few. Okay, go ahead. Um, I guess this was just kind of one that I was kind of curious about. I th- think I heard that, um, like, in the beginning when Cassian was with the informant about the Death Star and, yeah. you know, they're confronted by stormtroopers and he kills the informant, I was kind of confused why he killed the informant. I mean, I think I heard a line that says something about his arm, that his arm was... Yeah, it's his arm. But how, I, I can't I, climb because of my Oh, arm. okay. I, I was confused. That's why like, it's, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Then, boom, then he climbs. Okay, I, I was confused as to, like, why he... Oh, you shot your informant. Okay, that's kind of out there. Mm-hmm. But, okay, that does make a little bit more sense. Okay. But, okay, so, so here's a few uh, more uh, questions that our, our discussion can be. Um, do, uh, do you think that because you know at the end of Rogue One again spoiler if you didn't know this already but everyone dies but do you think that everyone should have died at Rogue One because they killed basically the main cast of Rogue One off mm-hmm. do you think that they did the reshoots <laughs> <laughs> the magic reshoots came and they all died <laughs> they all di- the <laughs> end but, but do you think that they should have killed everyone or do you think that they should have saved a couple to have not died and possibly have been in other Star Wars films? Or do you think they made the right decision to kill everyone off in this movie? I'm thinking about that. If they had met, if they had finished this film a different way and they had, and they had survived and we still get the Darth Vader and we still get Leia moving on, but we get something with them about, you know, we're going to go to Yavin, you know, and we're going to do this, you know, and we never see him again. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're in the background of the real trilogy somewhere and we just don't see him. Because we're not focused on them. Yeah. Or if we have this ending, um, you know what? This might surprise people, but I like this ending. That's all my highs is that they all die. Not maybe how they die, but they all die. And I just like that about warfare is that this is about hope, but this is about giving. I don't sense it for that much of the characters like Cassie and about giving up your whole life for the cause and not for the, you know, the. You know the uh, imperial pilot guy, you know Brody, mm-hmm. but I very much get it from Jin, and I get it from the two uh, Jedi guards that and K two S O that like they gave up their life because obviously they have nothing better to do in their lives, but because of hope and because they're willing to give down their life, which is what makes Rogue One the title of Rogue Rogue Squadron, you know uh, Rogue Two. Um, uh, rogue leader and all that stuff. So, um, but I like that they all die because it just kind of reminds me that sometimes in war there are people that don't come back. Um, mm. And this movie is very much war, but uh, we need to have kind of a movie for the unsung heroes that never made back home. You know. Yeah. And I feel like this is kind of like an homage to the unsung heroes of Star Wars that never made it back home. Mm. You know, when episode six, when it says these Bethans did all of this to get the Death Star plans in episode six, and now you kind of maybe think 
they went through something like this. But then in episode six, you know, the Empire says, you know, it was all a trick at all, you know. Um, you know, I gave those plans to the uh, those people. So, um, I like that they all die in the end. Now, the reason why I would say that more than them coming back, and like I said, I like that it's kind of giving respect to heroes that don't come back home. Um, but it would be kind of weird to have characters survive and never see them again in the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. If they're so important here, and it's so close to four. Um, now, if Cassian quickly puts on gear that looks like the episode four gear of all the Leia's bodyguards, and they all get killed in the opening scene, <laughs> like, that's kind of stupid, but... <laughs> well, that'd be a great Jin way to honor up, Cassian. <laughs> being Ray's mommy or something, but, like... Ugh. If you think about it that way, at least they just killed them off, and they knew the characters, you know, what their interviews said they were, that's what they are, and they're gonna die. And I, I like that. That's my stance. I like mm-hmm. the homage to heroes that don't make it home and some get honor some will never be remembered but some will be remembered yeah like you got another knock on your door oh i guess Commercial I break. it's okay right back. okay awesome did cool. yeah you did all right cool all right we are back and uh, what's your opinion on it? Well, I will say that well, it did kind of shock me a little bit of watching this one because you know you kind of watch movies and you think okay, not everyone's going to die. You know, at least you know, at least your star lead, you yeah. know, is not going to die like Jin. You know, mm-hmm. and I would assume that before the reshoots that Jin didn't die. I mean, I'm not sure, but I'm guessing that she survived or mm-hmm. Castian survived or something like that. But I do kind of appreciate it, you know, you know, from what you said, you know, it's a different perspective that I I do appreciate that, you know, it's a good reason. But I think it's also a good reason also because the audience may not expect it. You know, the audience may be like me and just thinking, okay, someone's got to survive this. You know, not everyone's going to die. Mm -hmm. Maybe the uh, definitely the pilot guy will die Mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, other people, but not Jin, maybe Mm -hmm. not Cassian, but Mm -hmm. everyone dies. I think that can you know, throw your audience off for a loop, you know, to, to just have a ending of like, oh yeah, everyone dies, you know, which I, which I kind of, you know, appreciate that to a certain extent, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that definitely does make it, you know, a one-off film, which is what I would, which I thought was the point of these spinoff films was for them to be one-off, not mm-hmm. for them to be, here's Rogue One, part one, mm-hmm. and then in three years, Rogue One, part two, you know, it, it just would have, sort of defeated the purpose I would think of a star of a Star Wars story anthology film. So I do I do appreciate that uh for the fact that they that they went for it. They went for killing everyone, you know, risky move I would say, you know. But I feel like they kind of I don't want to say they necessarily earned all the deaths because we didn't get to explore much of these characters, so we didn't feel the impact that we could have had we gotten more fleshed out with them. Yeah. But I did like that they at least went for it. So, yep. so I do appreciate that. But going on to another question. Um, I heard, I've, well, I've heard some reviewers uh, mention this and I've read some articles about this, about the idea of the blind guy and base being gay. I've, I, I, I've, I've heard it. I, I, I've heard it as as a as a rumor and yeah. such 
And obviously, I don't think that that's what they were going for, and I think you would agree. No. I, I really don't think that's what they were going for, but I just wanted to, thinking them through the movie. I think and I did hear a report about that, but I don't the, think it's the, true. Oh, I don't think it's true either. But do you think that you could see, ev- or you could see through throughout the film where people could potentially see that? Like, do you think there's anything in the film that you think could be taken as people thinking that that is a gay relationship? Even though I, I from my don't perspective, think- no. Unless you're inciting it somewhere, but I don't believe the film actor did that at all. Like the director. Plus, they're Jedi. They're not Jedi, but they're... Well, one of them is. Well, yeah, or at one point, the other one used to be some type of, like, they're guards of the Jedi Temple. That's what they are. They're not Jedi, they're guards. They're protectors of the will, technically. Um, So, that's what they say, at least. So, that's what they used to be before Mm -hmm. the Jedi Temple got taken over. I just kind of see it as, in the beginning, when we first meet them, there's one that's blind on the street, and there's one with a gun. And it seems like the one with the gun is the one kind of protecting him because he's blind. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe if you want to spin that in the way, because he actually is, you know, in bed with him doing all that mess. But I see it as then when he goes fights, he he says, no, I protected you. Then he had the fancy line, you know, about when they go off in the ship, he's like, I have you. You are my good luck, you know. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, you know, when uh, uh, Chariot M.Y. dies and Baze kind of helps him up, like, I feel like it's just kind of a redemption story and like two fallen temple warriors one went this way one went that guy and one went the way of not believing one went the way of absolutely believing which is why he could mm-hmm. do all that stuff and it's a good story and I wouldn't want to do it any other way so yeah. um, and I feel like I don't even know even if I was thinking that way where would there be a scene that because they seem like they're not really friends, really. Like, they used to be friends, but now they're just two lonely guys that have to stick together because they're the only guards left, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I don't get that at all. Yeah. I it doesn't mean, even come up across my mind, honestly, at all. Oh, it, it didn't for mine either until I heard other people talk about it. And that is something I remembered when I watched it. Yeah. But watching it this time, I, I don't see it either. I mean, I take it as a friendship. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, like like a friendship of these two guys being real close. And like yeah. at the end, you know, feeling remorse for a close friend, you yeah. know? Like uh, th- that's my interpretation of it. And I think that's what the director is felt it. Honestly, to me, I feel like the people who, fe- who might have felt that were honestly liberal people who want to see that kind of stuff in their movies especially star wars films they came in solo and they got what they wanted but it yeah. did not work well well even you know it came in last jedi if i'm being honest and, and if i could be honest i even heard that with force awakens about people saying that with finn and poe which but, is still a thing but it'll never but, be a thing no no i i hope that this is never a thing in star wars you yeah. know i just yeah, you like know, I think we'll talk more about it with Last Jedi, but I think that there's a danger in bringing Our real world, world stuff Star into Wars. Star Wars. We go to a galaxy far, far away. Don't get me started. <laughs> yeah, you you don't want to bring that stuff to that galaxy. Yeah, but I, I don't think I see it, and the the people who may have who who try to make that as a case, I think you're stretching. I think you're really stretching to try to do it. 
But I would, I would I, say Lando and his droid are more easily a thing than that is a thing. Well, they make him more explicitly obvious yeah. than they ever would in this film. Yeah. But I just wasn't sure if you had felt that, I, which which I'm I'm glad you don't. No. But hey, you may have. I don't. I may have seen something that could be. But no, I totally forgot that was an article. But I've definitely seen stuff like that out there. Yeah. Uh, of course, they have to throw stuff in there just to spice it up a little bit. But but speaking of uh, uh, well, things about that. Uh, my one last question, which which we did talk about, them recreating you know Leia and recreating Tarkin for this film. Yep. And especially Tarkin, you know, because Pierre Cushing died, I believe it was nineteen ninety four. So he had been dead for about tw- over twenty years when they mm. decided to recreate his face for CGI. And obviously CGI is going to continue to improve. You know, it's going to keep getting better and better. Mm-hmm. You see that evidently with Pixar films, especially if you watch Toy Story 4. I mean, man, that movie looks awesome. Uh, for those of you who've seen it, I'm sure you agree. But I think it just, it kind of brings up the question, like, if they do that for Tarkin, then they have the potential to do that for other films. So, like, it's like they, they could do recreate cgi likenesses of other actors who have died and they could do a sequel to example i'm just looking on my shelf wizard of oz for example you know that movie was out in 1939 most of the actors are dead but they could do a sequel to wizard of oz recreating people creating all those actors and their cgi likenesses where they are how they looked in that film but my question to you is do you think that that's something that they should do well i i let back up a little bit first off do, do you see that as at all possibility that they could potentially do that and follow up like do you think that they should do that for f- movies in the future not without the family's consent which i feel that i think that's the only reason why tarkin's in this movie is that they ask permission from the descendants of his biological sons and daughters mm-hmm. if they could bring their father's likeness back into Star Wars and make it seem like their dad's actually in the movie and make it look like it's the best dad that they could and I've heard that they wanted to and they you know they wanted to see what it would look like and they liked it so they accepted it and they he's not in the movie obviously he's not going to get a, a you know an actor credit but he should wanted it to make his be as much of his their father's presence in the movie um and obviously, at that time, you know, um, uh, Carrie Fisher had not passed away, so you just have to talk to her. Do you want your actors, you don't want someone to play a CGI person? She probably said yes, and they did it. <laughs> yeah. But if I want them to make a sequel to, I don't know, um, if I want them to do the original Batman series from 1960 and have Bart Ward and Adam West in it and have those actors and their faces in it, no. Personally, I wouldn't watch anyways, but there's a part where, like, that's a part also with CGI is that it once it looks so much like a human... This is the problem with baseball and when it comes to video games and when it comes to Madden. Like, it's trying to look as much as like the real person but as close as it does, it looks more uncanny and unreal because you know it's not natural. Because it's coming so close that it doesn't look as good as a 90s, 1990s graphic of somebody that you know just doesn't look very good. And I understand how I felt a little bit about Tarkin in this film. Yeah. 
I would definitely not. I wouldn't do it on certain movies that are so iconic throughout history that those should be, you know, uh, stamped and, like, never gonna have a sequel or never gonna... Disney's never gonna do a remake, you know, or stuff like this. Mm-hmm. But, uh, if... Um, like, I don't know. Like, as of right now, I wouldn't be up for my future generation of family be wanting to create a CGI version of me walking around, you know? Yeah. Um, I want my presence, my body to, it's in the grave, you know, I had my life, but, uh, um, if there is good intent behind it, I would be up for asking the family's descendants in the case of Tarkin's family and Peter Cushing's. That's my answer. You would get a no, but a yes on certain occasions. Okay. But on an absolutely no on some Wizard of Oz. Not happening. Yeah. That's my no. grandpa's favorite movie. Grandpa Horlick's favorite movie of all time. You know. Mm-hmm. How that make him, you know, that's that was a movie. That was one of the best movies back in that day. Like, yeah. what that movie gave us, you know, we're not reviewing that, but like, the iconic ones, you know, like, do not make a remake of the original Star Wars with uh, them, you know? Uh, You're not going to touch the original Rocky. You're not going to touch Back better to the not. Future. You're not going to touch all these iconic ones and pop culture and want to remake them with original actor CGI then, you know? Because you want to change some stuff. Yeah. Because that should be stamped of no. And of course, you know, they're not going to do that because they know that would be stupid. But even with certain movies, like, I don't think you should do that with, I don't know, just take any one of them and Christopher Reeve's Superman, you know? Oh. If you take that and you want to make a 21st century version... That has better graphics, but you still want to use his face. Would you be up for it? No. No No way. Because that's such an iconic role, and you could be ruining his reputation if you do it again. And you are also, what I also, this is a problem with the Disney making remakes and making more movies, is that you're kind of saying, hey, this is so good, and we made so much money, you know, the original Superman movie, you know, it's so good, and we cannot make any other good Superman movies other than what we did here. We are going to copy and paste. You know, it's virtually just copy and pasting, and I don't like that. Pretty That's much. what I should say. For certain I, occasions, maybe, but no copy and paste. I think Jeff Goldblum's character said it best in Jurassic Park when he said that they spent so much time thinking if they could that they didn't think about if they should. If they should. And I think that that is very true with this. I mean, you know obviously this movie is three years old and CGI has gotten better since then mm-hmm. so like like I mentioned with the Marvel films how they've de-aged some of, some of the actors to look really good but they're still alive but they're still alive that's true but as opposed to what we've talked about about recreating people from the past that are probably uh, that are dead and having them walk around CGI form in 21st century I, I'm I'm against that I I just think it gets to the point where it can be kind of distasteful and bad taste of just recreating people because, you know, you want to do something unique. You want to do a sequel. You want to do this or that with with them. And, you know, it, I think it would just always have that uncanny feeling, you know, of knowing that that's not a live performance. Because I think there's something that can be said about having a live performance in a film. Exactly. Having people that you can emote, that you can act. Because, I mean, yes, you can get pretty good with CGI, but you can't get 
the full experience like you get when you watch a live actor do good acting. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just nothing quite like that. And I just don't feel like CJ could ever get there. And I, and like I said, it just would be kind of just, I mean, obviously, you know, you can get, re- it could be respectful by, you know, like you mentioned about asking the family, making sure that they're okay with doing it in the first place. Mm-hmm. But I just think it could be very distasteful to people, especially those people who grew up with those films and having a recreated CGI, you know, I'm sure that they wouldn't like that. And I wouldn't like that. You know, you brought it back to the future. I mean, if they recreate it back to the future with the same actors, you know, 30 years from now when most of them are dead, mm-hmm. I wouldn't like that because I grew up with it, you know, as it was back in 1985, not, you know, recreated with CGI. So I think what what they do with CGI is impressive with a lot of these films, and it was an interesting experiment what they did with Tarkin in this film, I will say. But, you know, even though my thoughts about it, you know, how they are. But I just don't think that this is something that Hollywood should do. Unfortunately, I can see this as kind of being the future, you know, maybe in 20 years, maybe. But I just hope that they have the brains to say, no, we are not going to do this. Because that would prove to be not original, which I will say that Disney has proven to be unoriginal with recreating all their animated classics into live action. That's what I will say. Yep. So I, I just hope that Hollywood doesn't stoop to be that low or recreating performances from CGI. So that way, you know, actors don't die. Actors are always there with us. No, there's something about having the actors there at that time mm-hmm. and having that performance for that time, not recreating it for CGI years later. It's like having a VR headset of you going to a zoo. It's nothing like actually going to a zoo in person. No. Go it may, to a zoo. It may look impressive, and you may think, wow, they, they got some details. You can details even touch the animals and feel like it's... But you're not. You're not it's there. not there. Nothing mm-hmm. is ever as good as the real thing. Yep. And that's my danger if they keep doing that, that they'll sell the message that virtual reality is great, whereas it's nothing compared to the real thing. Mm -hmm. So while I can see it as potentially being a a possibility, I hope that it never becomes one. And I'm against that. So Mm -hmm. I hope that they never do films where they have starring people as CGI characters. Now, I'm for in that one sense that I mentioned. But, like, for example, for how little um, Jimmy Smith is in this movie. If Jimmy Smith is dead and he's the CGI, I'm fine with it. If they yeah. approve the family and all that stuff. Because he looks fine. You know, obviously it would look more CGI. Mm-hmm. But I would be up for it, you know? Um, yeah, because that was my thing with Tarkin. Because I felt like they used him too much with yeah. that technology. Whereas Jimmy Smith's... He's not in it that much. Yeah, he's only in, Four what, scenes. Two, yeah, two, uh, probably three scenes, something like that. Like, I feel like that's a perfect amount to have that be there to not have it be a problem so yeah like if you're like to me if if you were to do it in a film first of all i would want it to not be a main character but hopefully it's a character that's not really big and stuff you know that is in a couple scenes not to negate what i said earlier but overall i'm kind of against it but if you were to do it that would be the best case kind of scenario it's risky territory once you do it. it it is but i think they did well for doing it like, it's the first time, I think, probably hardly ever, that the characters, like, the guy's dead. Completely recreating him. And to me, other than it doesn't look very good, it feels like it's Peter Cushing. It might not look like Peter Cushing, but I can see that character being that character. Taking 
uh, over, you know, this is my thing, I'm going to take over, you know, um, there's uh, rebels on this planet, you need to go there and commanding, so, yeah, 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 was that your questions? That was all my questions. I got two more. Okay. Um, uh, we'll, we'll get to this last one here, which I know we might talk about a little bit, because okay. we talked about that before. Okay. Um. My second one is we've already talked about a couple other ones that you shared that I had. Why did Saul Guerrero have to die? Thank you. I, I was going to mention that when I gave my <laughs> negatives on Saul Guerrero, but I forgot. But thank you for bringing that up. Why did he die? It, it was just kind of like go, go save the rebellion, be the rebellion. Yeah. I'm going to be here now, and I'm going to die for no reason, just because. I would not be useful on your crew. That's really what it seems like, which I'm kind of glad he does, because I would not want him any more in this film than he already is. But it makes no sense. I don't get it. Well, the only reason I would get it is if, you know, he is dying, but... But he doesn't say that. He just says, I'm tired of running. I'm going to face death. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't make it clear that, you know, he's... I mean, you get from his physical appearance that he looks like he's in bad physical shape but he doesn't say that he's you know that's why he wants to stay he just does it just cause just cause he wants to see the pretty explosion before he dies Mm -hmm. yeah that doesn't make much sense okay here we go oh boy okay we've had conversation about bread and butter and what people want in a Star Wars movie okay do you think that when it comes to an equal balance of serving fans and still having a movie that's fun and you can have your Easter eggs, that this movie overplays um, nostalgic figures which are in Star Wars. For example, you would say the two men that they barely meet when they're on um, yeah, Jetta. The, the Jetta yeah. um, and those are the two men in the bar, which yeah, that's a small and, and episode world. episode four, yeah. Um, you could say... Um, Tarkin is in this movie. Yeah. Um, Darth Vader's in this movie. You could say that um, the homestead looks very familiar. You could say that Yavin Four's in this movie. C three PO is in this movie. Um, a lightsaber's in this movie. Um, the Force talk is in this movie, which didn't really need to be, but it is. And uh, may the Force be with you. And the Jedi are still mentioned quite a bit. And uh, Emperor's mentioned. The Senate's mentioned. So I'm just wondering, where would you lie on, like, does this movie kind of, which we've talked about that, it can't really stand alone, but does this movie do a good job in having seeds to four, five, and six, and not kind of giving you too much, or is it too much? I I think it does it better than Solo did. Like, like, I don't know, it it just, to me, it didn't... felt like it wasn't quite as much whereas solo it just felt like it was in your face of just all these easter eggs look this easter egg look that easter egg look yeah. that and i mean there there is some and i i i don't feel like this movie is perfectly balanced between those two i feel like it does a little bit uh, fall into you know remembering you know all these different things like there's a couple that i just felt were a little too much. I mean, the C-3PO and R2-D2 one, I kind of mentioned when we watched it. My thought on that one is I wish that it felt more organic to the story. I that agree. they had felt... 
And that they had found a way to maybe, in the last scene, put them on Tanta 4 instead of just having them there on the Yavin base just yep. saying, oh, they don't tell me anything. Like, mm-hmm. why are you guys here? There's no reason you need to be here. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, I, I, was, I didn't mention this in my callbacks because I wasn't so sure about the two guys they meet on the planet. That might be a little bit too much now that I think about it. Just... Jeddah's one of the places where he had death sentence, you know. Yeah. That's what that's calling back to. Especially since, like, just thinking logistically. like Yeah, to they... get off that planet pretty quickly. Like, though. how did they have enough time to get off that planet to, a few days later, be on Tatooine right at the point where in the bar? I mean, it mm-hmm. doesn't negate what happened, obviously, but it kind of stretches plausibility a little bit. So I feel like there are a, a few instances where they kind of go a little too much. But I, I do like a lot of the callbacks that they make because it, it, feels, it feels right, you know? Like, if you want to get the vibe of this is, you know, around the time of episode four, you want to see stuff like Yavin mm-hmm. 4. You want to see, you know, stuff like Bail Organa. And, I mean, I've seen one callback that I really love a lot where he talks with Mon Mothma about contacting someone he mm-hmm. fought with on the Clone Wars, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it, I, I like that callback, you know? That's mm-hmm. obviously to Obi-Wan and stuff. So th- there are some that are good. I don't... Feel, most of them aren't quite in your face. They're kind of subtle, which I feel like was a lot, a little bit better than when, you know, Solo did it. But like I said, there are there are some that just kind of cross the line a little bit more. They're like, you don't really need that. You kind of should have cut that a little bit, you yeah. know? But for the most part, I... I felt like it was closer than Solo 2 getting that balance just right. But there's a few that just don't quite make it. Yeah. But but how about you? What do you think? Do you think that this movie was balanced with the Easter eggs as as opposed to not having them and stuff? Um, For a hardcore Star Wars fan like myself, I love what's in the movie when it comes to all the Easter eggs in it. And it it makes sense. But I would say for maybe the mediocre Star Wars fan like that knows about it but isn't dressing up with like with a Jedi robe with a lightsaber going to watch the theater, but just with a you know Star Wars T-shirt on and jeans. Um, you know I'm stereotyping there, but I'm just saying like uh, I dress up like George Lucas when I watch Star Wars movies, plaid shirt and jeans and white sneakers, <laughs> baby glasses if I feel up for it. Um. I feel like you would be probably saying that there's a lot of original people in here that are in a movie that's not really about them, you know? We have a lot of characters from episode four in this movie. Yeah. And yet the movie's not about them, but they get a lot of screen time. Then for someone that, you know, doesn't really know Star Wars and watches this, um, probably would be confused of all the callbacks. Obviously, I'm giving three different opinions there, but... um, (laughs) I enjoy it because of how much of a fan I am in it, but and we're we're gonna get to seven and uh, soon. But I, I I feel like seven can sometimes be too close to four's remake. But I love how that reminds me of how great episode four is, and just some of the things in it when it makes. It makes his homages, and it gives me what I want, in a sense. It gives me what I was expecting. And I think um, this movie isn't really what I was expecting, and they all die. But yet, uh, they have all these Easter eggs and all these nods, which 
they don't go over my head. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's it's probably not a good analogy to say it's bread and butter of Star Wars to do that, but um, it's giving you like a n- new meal that you never had before, but then you have the same old glass of milk you've had plenty of times, and you're just like, perfect. That's what I would feel. Like, mm-hmm. the meal was completely new. I didn't expect this to be like a war movie, but the glass of milk is just the extra stuff, which I know because I'm such a fan of. Mm-hmm. When I feel like episode seven is literally the same breakfast I had four days ago in episode four, you know, mm-hmm. so um, just with a couple differences. So uh, that's where I would land when it comes to yeah having Easter eggs and all that stuff. And you need Easter eggs so that you would have a fanboy to keep on watching your movies yeah, and ab- absolutely. billions of dollars that you make and making mm-hmm. all this merchandise. That's why you that's, add all that stuff in there. That, that That's why I always say the bounce. I don't think... You know, especially for Star Wars, like you mm-hmm. should never have callbacks in a Star Wars film. You know, you need to service the fans that have kept you going for so long, and yep. every that's why every Star Wars film has callback, except for, uh, even Episode Four, I guess a little bit for yeah. prequels and stuff, I guess. Yeah. But outside of that, every Star Wars film has those callbacks. But I feel like if you have too much of them, it's it's almost like the filmmakers want to hide, you know, a terrible movie and just <laughs> throw callbacks because they know that people will like them no matter what. Yeah. It's almost like having an old, you know, moldy kind of yeah, uh, cake or something like that, for example. And they just, and the service is putting icing on it just to make it look good. So I'd be like, hey, you know, it's actually good, you know? It's actually a good film. Whereas it could not be in reality. Th- that's my fear of callbacks, you know? If you try to do too much of them, it's like, it's like, oh, are you trying to hide the fact your movie isn't that good? Which obviously Rogue One is good, don't get me wrong and stuff. And I feel like it's, closer than solo two balancing but that's mm-hmm. why you need it because you know you want to service your fans but you don't want people to see too much and they be a cynic and be like oh this movie's tough because all it is is callbacks there's nothing original here in this one mm-hmm. so that's that's the danger that you can have on both ones now i'm a i'm a star wars fan i've watched star wars more than you have so i love callbacks but i just don't want too much of them to the point where they overtake the story and be focused on all of them instead of focusing on what the story that the filmmakers want to tell. That's my only thing. Okay. Are but, you ready for your grade? Uh, I think so. Mm-hmm. Let's well, let's get to it. Okay. So I I guess I'll start. Um, Go ahead. Uh, Rogue One. You know, I I wasn't quite sure. You know what what to think of Rogue One thinking back on this because it had been a year or two since I've seen Rogue One. I would say probably a year more realistically, you know. And just thinking through the Star Wars uh, you know, films in my head. I remember just thinking of just some like the negatives of like the, the film starting out kind of clunky and the characters not really getting developed and, and not most of them not really being that interesting and stuff because they weren't really developed as kind of being my negatives to kind of bring this film down from where I think it deserves. Because, honestly, just watching this film this time, I, I realized how, how really good this film is. You know, just how good the action is, how good that this is a war film, uh, focusing on the war part of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I was just, it's just unique. You know, this unique idea of having a film that's set in the Star Wars universe, but yet it's not focusing on the Skywalker story. It's focusing on something different. Mm-hmm. And I do appreciate that. Even though, yes, this film... You don't need this film. 
Like you can watch, you don't need this film, and you'll still be fine with watching the main episodic Star Wars films. But it does add a little something, you know, there for the fans, you know, that that do appreciate these films. I do appreciate Star Wars, like us. Uh, there's a lot that I do like, you know. I mentioned the action and stuff. I, Darth Vader's awesome. The third act battle is phenomenal. Some great performances. And just the idea of, again, I cannot stress enough, the blind guy, how, how mm. cool it is to have the idea of just having someone who, it, you know, we don't know if midichlorians really are part of this movie or not, but mm -hmm. just having someone who can use the Force, your average Joe can use the Force, which is what I like the Force to be as, as someone who can use it. You know, anyone can use it, but only the ones who are really serious about it will really get more more out of it than someone else who really isn't that serious mm -hmm. so i do really appreciate that about this film and what they what they do try to do how they try to have this film set right before episode four and have it be have a you know set up pretty nicely i, I think is pretty cool um so so yeah so yeah that this, this film's really fun i i have a good time watching this one that this is a pretty good star wars film i do i, I do enjoy it for the reasons that i did mention the negatives i would say are significant enough where I can't really give it an A. You know, with, with the, the CGI not quite being there with Tarkin and stuff, with the characters, and some characters I really don't like, and just how the beginning was kind of a little clunky, really don't really make it an A for me. Mm -hmm. But just with the action and Darth Vader, and just a lot of great moments from this film, I, I think make it in the B range for me. So I'm going to give it a B plus. I think I, I think it's good. I think it's I think it's a little bit better than Revenge of the Sith, which I gave it a B in and stuff. But I just I can't quite put it in the A range. I just don't think it's quite there, you know, especially with some of the clunky stuff that they did, like with the reshoots and stuff. But but I do think that you know even with reshooting, you know, I think they probably reshot the third act probably of this film was probably the majority mm -hmm. of what they happened. But just with all that happening and just with all they do in this film, I think it's worthy. And up to me of a B plus, so I give it a B plus. I give it a solid recommend. Mm -hmm. I'd say if you're if you're a Star Wars fan who wants more Star Wars but don't want to focus on the Skywalkers, want to know more about the universe, I think this is a good one. You know, it's not necessary. You don't really need it, but it's a very fun film that I I do enjoy, and I think it's it's up there in the Star Wars films. Yeah, don't quite know how I'd rank it. You know, I have to think about that once all these films have come out, but it is up there. So for me, I give it a B plus. I think it's a solid recommend. I'd say check it out. I I really like Rogue One. Okay, so. nice. So on my grade book here, when I grade the Star Wars movies, oh the grade book here we go. Any movie that the Star Wars movie that is a D, which we've reviewed, um, I give it a D plus. Is a movie that I think is unnecessary. So if it's necessary, Phantom Menace, by the way. Yes, it was Phantom Menace, Episode One. So. If it's more than unnecessary, which this movie is necessary, it's not going to be in the D range. So it moves up to a C. Then if I think C, it needs to have it needs to have a compelling story that has character design, joy, good acting, and a good story that moves me. And that's where I put in Solo at a C plus, and that's where I put in uh, before C plus. I had put in Episode Two at a C minus. I'm getting a review of all of these. But um, then we did episode three. We've given that review. And I think this better. This movie is better than episode three. Um, 
There might be just characters in episode three I like more than I do in this movie because, you know, it talks about Anakin, Darth Vader, Obi-Wan, all that stuff, Yoda. They're all better. Mm -hmm. But I believe this movie is a better made movie than episode three is. Um, look at the Rotten Tomatoes score. It speaks for itself. Yeah, it'll prove it. Yeah, yeah. so... Um, but the big issue for me is it's it's trying... It, for me, um, like, I, I'm stuck between giving it an A- or giving it a B when I was really thinking about it because... Obviously, B plus is right in the middle there. I'm like, if I give it, if I'm thinking of it as an A minus, if I get an A minus on a test, you know, if I get an A minus, I think of it as something that's like, okay, I missed a couple, but I'm completely okay with the A minus. I still got an A, you know, uh, an A would have been fine, an A plus would have been great, but it's probably just a couple two I accidentally missed. Um, then if I get a B minus, you know, if I get a B, that means, okay, I missed a couple more. I should have done a little bit better, but B is not an F. It's not a D. It's, it's, it's a good grade. And I feel like this movie's a little bit better than a B. It's better than just a good movie. That's just, you know, you missed a couple things I didn't really like there, but I think it's better than that. But I also debate if this movie could be called an A minus because then you're saying, well, it's virtually... We're missing a couple things, and the reshoots did a couple things. But this is an A movie. And the only two other A movies we both have are episode four and, and five. five. So, yeah. And those are high A's. Those are A pluses, oh, of yeah. course. They deserve so it. So even to give this movie to A minus, you're saying there's some part of it that's like, ooh, that's excellent. And I mean, that Vader scene is excellent, oh, first off. Oh, absolutely. And that's why I give this movie an 88, a B plus. Okay. I would probably settle... And I would be comfortable of giving it a B plus to a B, depending on my view each day. Mm -hmm. But I'm gonna come out and say give a, a B plus because that Vader scene at the end and seeing Mustafar, seeing um, all the callbacks to the prequels and to this being the best prequel movie that there is. I think this yeah. is the best prequel. I, I agree. Even though it's so close to four, you know, it's virtually that might be a reason why <laughs> three point nine instead of you know. You know, a prequel. It's virtually episode 3.9. As close to 4 as you possibly can without being 4. Yeah. It's right. It's 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 better than 3. It's not it's not an A movie. I'm sorry, Rogue One. Not for me. Yeah. But I'll give you an 88. I would be happy that you got an 88, Gareth Edwards. That you came out, made the first Star Wars story, Rogue One. Made characters no one knew. They all die in the end. I enjoy that. I enjoy the movie. I can watch this because I'm such a fanboy, almost any time. And I love to explain all the Rebels and all the Rebels Easter eggs, all this other stuff, which is in canon and all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, I give it an 88 B+. Um, if you're not a Star Wars fan, do not watch this yeah. movie. You would not understand it really at all. Mm -hmm. But yeah. if you are a Star Wars fan, I don't know why you wouldn't like this movie yeah. at all. I don't really see that many weaknesses you can really pinpoint, other than a couple acting and a couple reshoots and a couple weird things but other than that this movie is a b plus yeah it's pretty solid yeah, mm -hmm. we agree it's a b plus so so yeah if you're a star wars fan and want to check this one out i'd say definitely check it out it's it's pretty solid it's, it's not a great movie not not, not by it's not you know i feel gr great movies as a movies but yeah this is definitely the b b plus range so i think that's pretty safe to view rogue one yep but is this the best disney star wars film That'll be the question, oh, which, man. which which we'll, we'll talk about in a few weeks when we do Force Awakens and Last Jedi. Episode 6 is next. Return it, of the Jedi. It is next, because 
we I feel like we skipped that, and I was all pumped to do <laughs> Return of the Jedi. Then we started to do the prequels. And we so, got to the prequels. Now we're going to get back into fairly even better, probably decent stuff. So but, here but, we go. Let's Return of the Jedi. So mm-hmm. did Return of the Jedi end the original trilogy well? Is it better than a bunch of the prequels or even right up there A-plus with <laughs> yeah. A New Hope or Empire? Which we'll find out next weekend when... Or, sorry, not next weekend, because next weekend no. will be break, so we will be off then. We will be off. But the next weekend after that, we'll be reviewing Return of the Jedi. Probably, yep. So, that sounds about right. So, we're going to go with that. So, not next week... Uh, uh, oh, wait, I take that back. So, not next week, not the following week, but on oh, no, the week... Oh, yeah. The, the, fir- the first weekend in December. I was following you. I, I knew what you meant, but they wouldn't know what you meant. So. Yeah, I had to look at a calendar first in order to get my dates right. You will right. probably get episode six out two Saturdays from now. Let's put it that way. So that gives you plenty of time to watch Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Have your own thoughts and opinions. Yep, there you go. Before we talk about episode six. No! Oh, I'm sorry. Stop. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. Hunter, would you like to make an announcement for tomorrow's episode? I would, because as you guys know, we do have another film that we're going to review, because we usually do two a week, and we have the poll again for films, and one of them won. Well, one of them almost was a landslide, but then one of them was starting to come back a little bit, but it didn't quite work out, because the film... That we're going to be reviewing tomorrow is Shazam! Yes, Shazam won the poll. Oh, so that is the movie we are going to be watching tomorrow. Uh, Yes. Given our thoughts about it Uh, and discussing if it may be the best film in the DCEU. Maybe. We've already reviewed two of them that weren't quite the bright spots in the DCEU. Nope. So hopefully this one is better than those which i i can say they are <laughs> it is but is it the best one we'll discuss that uh, tomorrow so yeah. that won the poll so we'll be reviewing it then mm-hmm. hope you guys can check it out then yep so for tonight for this podcast this was rogue one a star wars story movie review yep hope you guys had a lot of fun we had fun doing it mm-hmm. and you know keep keep listening to us we appreciate yep. it thanks for listening And may the Force be with you all, because I am one with the Force, and the Force is with me.